0: Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey.
1: This is a Vault Studios production. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of experts in their field and do not reflect the opinions or views of Vault Studios or Tegna. Additionally, all suspects are presumed innocent until proven guilty in a court of law, and any and all crimes are alleged until a court finds otherwise. This is Anything You Say. An inside look at the tactics the experts use to get a suspect talking.
2: I know, I know you want to tell us. I, I can I can see it in your face. So few people will believe that a person would confess to something they didn't do, especially when the stakes are pretty high.
3: You do have a right to remain silent.
1: Bye. I love you. Those are the last words Sherry Gold remembered hearing her daughter, Savannah, say to her that day. It was a Wednesday, and Savannah Gold was headed off to one of her two jobs, this one as a server at a Bonefish Grill restaurant in Jacksonville, Florida. Dressed in her work uniform, the 21-year-old left her home at 5.15 p.m., driving away in her white Kia Spectra.
4: She said, bye, Mom, in her uniform. I love you. Because she always told me she
1: loved me. Savannah's car would later be discovered outside her workplace in the Bonefish Grill parking lot. One of the tires had been slashed, and the doors, they were unlocked. Savannah's purse, ID, and her credit cards, they were all still inside. But Savannah, she hadn't shown up for work.
4: We know that she was last seen driving into this parking lot Wednesday, but never showed up to work at Bonefish Grill, and that is when her family filed a missing persons report.
1: About an hour after Savannah had left her home, Family members started receiving strange text messages from her number. At 6.11 p.m., her brother said he received a message saying she'd quit and that she was leaving with her boyfriend. And then, just about 20 minutes later, at 6.30 her father received a similar message.
2: Gold's father says he got a strange text message saying she met a, quote, great guy and that she was running
1: away with him. Both texts, they were chaotic. They were riddled with spelling errors, which Savannah's family said was out of character for her. They also said if Savannah had a boyfriend, they had no idea who it might be. She was typically pretty open with them about that sort of thing.
4: When I read it, I knew that it wasn't from her immediately and that's what you know the hairs on the back of my neck went up
0: Between the texts and her absence from work, friends and family believed something just wasn't right. Foul play was not immediately suspected, but even so, the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office began investigating Gold's disappearance on Thursday. They interviewed friends as well as coworkers and reviewing surveillance video from the scene and surrounding areas. Meanwhile, those who knew Gold put up posters asking for help and they tried to remain optimistic.
4: I'm a glass half full person. I don't think, I don't want to think that anything's happened to her.
1: Savannah's family had last seen her on Wednesday, August 2nd. Throughout the rest of the week, the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office searched for information about where she may have gone or what might have happened to her. Today is August the 4th. Then, on the night of Friday, August 4th, detectives interview one of Savannah's co-workers.
3: Uh, 11.05 p.m. Uh, currently at the Bonefish Grill located in Mandarin. This is a non-custodial interview with Lee Rodarte.
2: We have multiple different interviews with the suspect, Lee Redarte, in the Savannah Gold case. The first one that we actually get to hear is his
1: non-custodial interview. This is Dr. Kimberly Masnick, a criminologist and victimologist who teaches on the baccalaureate level at Indian River State College in Florida. Masnick explains that this first non-custodial interview at Bonefish Grill is not a formal interrogation.
2: And there's a difference between a non-custodial interview and an actual interrogation. In that non-custodial interview, first thing is law enforcement actually went to his place of employment, and he is not required to talk to them. He doesn't have to sit there. He can get up and leave at any point in time. He can he can do whatever he wants, uh, which is interesting because sometimes people don't know the difference between the two, and they don't realize that they don't have to talk if they don't want to.
1: But Rodarte, a culinary manager at Bonefish Grill, seems more than willing to take a break from his shift to talk with the detectives about his coworkers' disappearance. Um,
3: so we're up here about Savannah. Did you know, you know Savannah? Yeah. Okay. All right. Y'all work together yeah. here? How long, have you, how long have you worked together with her? How long have you known her? Um, I guess I've known her since she started here. Okay. Uh, a couple years ago, I
5: guess. Oh, okay. So uh, I've been here. here for, it'll be five years in December. Dang.
3: Yeah, that's... What's uh, your position uh, here? Uh, I'm the culinary manager. Oh, all nice. right, cool. All right. And you've known her for about two years? Yeah. Okay.
1: This initial interview, it's quick. It only lasts about ten minutes or so, and the detectives—they're asking some pretty basic questions. When did you last see her? When did you last talk to her?
3: From what we are, from what we understand, what uh, happened was that she uh, was scheduled to work Wednesday, and she didn't show up Wednesday night for work. Did you work Wednesday night? No. Okay, you were off Wednesday. Okay. Um, um, and when's the last time you saw her? The last time I saw her. Yeah.
5: Um, I think she worked over the
3: weekend. Okay. This past weekend? Yeah. And you worked this weekend? Yeah. Okay, so the last time you saw her was here? At work? Okay.
1: The detectives rephrased this question a few times, apparently wanting Rodarte to be as specific as possible about when he last interacted with Savannah and whether or not he was anywhere near Bonefish Grill the night she went missing.
3: Were you here Wednesday? I know you didn't work, but were you here at all Wednesday? No. Uh, like at work in in the uh, building here or up in the area? Okay, um, and the reason we're asking is a lot of sheep, I guess, parked in uh, out by the roadway, and that's uh, no, so what I was trying to find out if you were here. You weren't even in the parking lot no. Wednesday? Okay.
2: If law enforcement were to ask me when's the last time i saw somebody or spoke with somebody to communicated in any fashion and the situation was strange, like we have here. We have a missing female. My brain is going to rack itself trying to think of the last thing I said to her, the last thing I saw her wearing. Where was that? And he, um, meaning Lee Rodarte, our suspect, is very casual and he tries to get away with the. Well, I don't really know. Two or three weeks ago might be the last time I text.
5: Uh, Last time that uh, we talked like via text was probably three weeks ago or so.
3: Okay. Last text about three weeks ago? I want to say two or three weeks ago. Okay, yeah, no worries.
2: So he also picks and chooses what he he wants to answer. He doesn't answer when he saw her first. He says, "Uh, the last time we really communicated was, yeah, I probably haven't texted her in two or three weeks. That's easily confirmed or disputed by pulling those records.
1: In other words, if Rodarte answers these basic factual questions truthfully, the detectives can confirm what he's saying. But if he's not telling the truth, he's starting to dig a hole for himself. This is something the detectives hint at throughout the interview.
3: And what we're doing also is we're, um, we're, we are going, like, just through a phone so we can verify plot A lot of the time people get numbers, but we can't verify who the number was. Do you remember what is your number that you would have texted her? Uh, that number right there, the 452 oh, okay. to- So, all right, so we'll, we'll be able to look through that.
1: In previous interviews with Savannah's co-workers, the detectives, they've heard a few rumors, including one rumor about a romantic relationship between her and Rodarte, apparently wanting to see if he'll bring any of that up on his own. They ask Rodarte if he knows of any rumors going around the workplace that might involve Savannah.
3: Is there anything that you can share with us that might put us in a, in a, in a direction where maybe we haven't looked or haven't talked to or any, I mean, I'll even take rumors. I mean, um, notes, what what people are. I've heard a
5: couple different things. She sure. with That uh, obviously what was said on the news um, that she Uh, Ran away with a boy or something like that, Mm -hmm. and then I've heard that uh, there was some bad blood between a guy she was seeing and his girlfriend, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, From here, a guy that used to work here. Okay, okay. Um, I guess they were seeing each other. I don't know for sure. It's just like I said, just what I heard from. Do you know who that is?
3: uh, His name is Andrew. Okay. And that we heard a similar story like that. We're still trying to verify that.
2: And that actually worked, that appealing to his, as an employee friend of hers. And um, Rodarte turns around and said, yeah, there were a couple of things I heard. I heard that she ran away with some guy. And then I heard that something happened. She had some kind of a beef between some guy and his ex-girlfriend that there was some bad blood. And I think his name was Andrew. Well, actually what we find out later is the guy that has beef with her and with his ex-girlfriend is actually our suspect. So he told the truth. He just used a different name which I thought was interesting. So the one thing he tells us that's true <laughs> kind of just gets thrown in there like, eh, maybe this is it.
1: Before the interview ends, the detectives ask about this again, this time a little more directly.
3: Um, Don't take us the wrong way when I ask you this, but one thing we are finding out is she did have some relationships with people outside of work, inside of work.
5: Did you guys have any kind of relationship? Um, we hung out for a while, uh, some months ago. Okay. And then, um... Like a dating type relationship? Um, or? I guess... We never really defined it as dating, but we hung out, you know, I wouldn't say frequently, but more or less than not often, I guess. Okay. Um... Uh, and then... We were talking a couple weeks ago and everything like that. We hung out a couple times. Um, had some dinner and stuff like that, just kind of caught back up. Cause like I said, she's explained to me about like her problems with drugs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I just, I wanted to, you know, I hadn't talked to her in a while since we stopped hanging out.
1: Rodarte, he doesn't offer anything new. They recap what he's told them so far that they used to hang out outside of work, but not recently, that he last texted with Savannah two or maybe three weeks ago and that he last saw her at work sometime the previous weekend. The detectives, they don't press him on this, instead opting to keep things light and friendly as they wrap up this initial interview.
3: All the cooking you do here, do you go home and cook too? No, not, up, out? not
5: often, man. Sometimes. Less
1: than 24 hours after that non-custodial interview at Bonefish Grill, Lee Rodarte is questioned again. But this time, the dynamic has changed police show up at his work in the evening and they arrest him on an outstanding traffic warrant and they bring him into an interrogation room.
2: Bringing Rodarte into the interrogation room and he's shackled tells him right off, you're not here because you want to be here, you're here because we want you here. You're not in control, you're not in charge, and you're going to do and say what we need you know what we need to accomplish. Uh, what was was kind of funny was, and I, and I wonder whether or not it was intentional because they kind of joke about it. Was it took a very long time to get the handcuffs and the shackles off of them?
1: Intentional or not, it takes nearly two minutes to take the cuffs off. Can you lean le- le-
3: forward? Yeah. It's hard to get to those, yeah. those holes in there. Sorry, man. I
1: know that's not comfortable by any means.
2: And I'm kind of wondering if that gentleman who was in plain clothes was also intentional in doing that to kind of bring Rodarte's stress level down and just, ha, 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 look, you know, know, sometimes these things are to make mistakes and it takes forever and these holes are so tiny. So I kind of think that that might have been planned because I've never seen anybody take that long to get handcuffs and shackles off.
1: After the cuffs are finally removed, Rodarte is left on his own for a few minutes before two detectives enter the room to begin the interrogation.
2: The setup, typical, nothing in the room, nothing on the walls except for the table and the amount of chairs that they had requested, which obviously were three. One was for our suspect who chose to sit in the corner, which I found quite quite interesting and then detective reeves who he had already spoken to the night before sits fairly close to him and then the other detective which was really hard to hear this female's name um it was something like sally or sally detective sally and she chooses to sit further away at the other end of the table but doesn't sit at the head of the table because who normally sits at the head of a table the parent that's in charge when you sit down for dinner so she does not take that dominant space she moves and she actually sits on an
1: angle the male detective one of the men who spoke with her darte the night before takes the lead as things get started you
5: need a water or anything uh, i'll take some water some water okay yep give me one second
2: Detective Reeves is pretty much given free reign to look like he's in charge of the entire interview that's going to go on, the entire interrogation, because he's already built an established rapport with Rodarte. He talked to him the night before. Um, I think he spoke with him very briefly early that morning, but Bonefish Girl was so busy that he didn't have time to talk to him, and he apologized for that. So here you have basically just two men having a conversation and they try and keep it that way. Like I said, I
3: want to kind of go over some stuff. We talked the other day just for a few minutes and had some concerns about a couple things.
1: As Detective Reeves goes over Rodarte's rights with him, the female detective behind him, she just sits back on her phone, appearing pretty nonchalant, even disinterested. According to Masnick... This was likely intentional. She completely,
2: that female detective, completely does not give him the time of day until she is ready to. So uh, it's kind of a way of showing Rodarte, you're not in charge here, and you're really not even that important and interesting to me. You know, I'm only here because of Savannah.
1: As they start to ask questions, the detectives, they don't seem particularly rushed. They seem relaxed, as if they're prepared to sit in this room all day. But in the back of their minds, they know every minute, every second of this interrogation, it matters. Masnik sees their relaxed approach as a calculated risk. Uh,
2: detectives, when they go into an interrogation, it, there's always this risk factor of time. and. We at this point, we already know she's been missing for a little over a day. And so when they are starting out slow and trying to make him calm and comfortable by offering him water and the bathroom and this and that, uh, it is in the back of their mind that we can only be nice and slow for so long because they honestly... Unless they have heard something, seen something, or know something definitively, they are still under the impression that this is somebody that they're looking for that's alive.
3: So, um, Savannah, you said that you knew her and you guys had, um, you knew her from work. I mean, just kind of fill me in with that. How long have you known her? Um, Like I said, I've known her, obviously, since you worked,
5: since you started working there. Um, I would say probably about eight months ago or so. We started hanging out outside of work, um, and at the time I had a girlfriend. Um, but kind of, you know, we kind of connected me and Savannah, so we hung out a little bit here and there.
1: Rodarte says that he and Savannah they would use drugs together, but that he backed off from their relationship when she started using drugs more heavily. Something he brings up again and again, although there would prove to be no evidence she was using drugs the day she disappeared.
2: He's uncomfortable, he says, with that because he comes from a family background where his parents were users and he didn't like it and it scares him and this and that.
5: My father used a lot of drugs growing up. My mother used a lot of drugs growing
1: up.
5: And it was just kind of a hard thing to see, you know every time that we
1: hung out. So
2: he's like, "Uh uh-uh, this relationship is not gonna happen because I can't go down that path. But what's really interesting at that same time is he's talking about something supposedly from his childhood that was very um, distressing to him. He still hasn't shown any emotion about his missing friend that he's did drugs with or dated or whatever he wants to admit to. But his posture is still really, really open, and he's talkative, and he's—he just seems to be very um, passive. is about the word I can only use. He doesn't appear to be upset at all on the outside.
5: Um. So we text a couple times, and I ended up telling her I was like, hey, you know, uh, for one, I'm dealing with a lot of personal stuff myself right now as it is, you know, I'm a little depressed. Um, But I think we're moving too fast. I think we should, you know, stop talking. Um, And she said, I understand, it's completely fine. No problem, you know. uh, She said, I'll delete your number. I'll never text you again. And I said the same, I was like, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, you know, try to jump back into things. I just, I think we moved too fast. Um, and I said I wouldn't text her either, just to, you know, kind of split mutual yeah, ways. Neutral. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and that was the last time that we text. Okay. When was
2: that? Yeah. When was
5: that? Uh, it was probably a couple, two or three weeks ago. Okay. Sometime in July. Right. Right.
2: He has no actual emotion whatsoever. Uh, when he is asked questions, he can't even say how long he's known her and supposedly he's a manager, and supposedly they've dated. Um, so his timing is off. He'll, he'll say, I've known her for eight months, but then I've worked with her since she started. And then the detectives caught him in another lie at that point they can use against him, because at one point I think they turn around and say, she's worked there for two years. So they start they start building and putting these little lies together.
1: Already, this interrogation, it's feeling different than the non-custodial interview the day before. But then, about 10 minutes after the questioning began, it takes a huge turn.
3: And um, and then the last time, when was the last time you saw her? This is what I was a bit I didn't
5: tell you the truth when we talked about the fish. Okay. Last time I saw her was Wednesday afternoon.
3: Okay.
1: Wednesday afternoon, The same afternoon, Savannah went missing. This is a pretty stunning admission, especially considering what Rodarte told investigators the day before when he insisted he last saw her the previous weekend. Rodarte goes on to say he wanted to see her on Wednesday because he'd heard Savannah was telling some of their co-workers that they were still seeing each other outside of work. He says it upset him that it wasn't true, and that he was worried it might cost him his job.
5: So I was a little upset. Obviously, you know I care about my job. Sure. Um, How long you been there now? Uh, it'll be five years in the summer. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um. So I was a little upset. Um. So I met her in the parking lot uh, at Bonefish
4: Wednesdays.
3: Wednesday afternoon. Okay. Well, then you know what time or about? Um. It was about.
4: Five thirty.
5: Okay. When you say you met her, did she was she meeting you too? Or? Um I didn't yeah, how, I didn't I didn't you? call her. Okay. Um I just drove up there to see if maybe she was working. I was okay. gonna, you know, talk to her
3: and um Did you know I was, she was working that night?
2: Um
3: I did. You did not? I did. Oh you did? Yeah. Okay, i yeah. Okay. You knew she was working that yeah.
2: night. Yeah, okay Rodarte admitted that he did go up to the bonefish grill on Wednesday night the day that Savannah went missing, because he knew for a fact she was on the schedule. He looked at the schedule, so he intentionally made sure he got to see her.
1: Rodarte says he drove to Bonefish Grill, hoping to get a chance to talk to Savannah. He says he parked, she pulled in after him, and they had a conversation through his driver's side window. Rodarte says she told him she'd been using heroin and asked if she could get in his car to talk. Again, subsequent evidence would suggest that Savannah had not been using drugs that day. According to Rodarte, Savannah got in the back seat and he asked her to stop spreading rumors, to just leave him alone.
5: She was in the back seat still. Okay. And at that point, I said, you know, now leave me alone. She, said, she responded, I said, okay and she said, fuck you, you know, I'll do what I want, and she got out, mm-hmm. and it looked like she was either texting or calling somebody, okay. um, because as she started walking towards the, there's an entrance to bunk, to the plaza. Okay, yeah, um, but it's closer towards yeah. 295? Yeah. yeah, okay. I wouldn't say she was walking along the edge of the plaza, but she was walking maybe towards this way, mm-hmm. and I would say an older model Ford pickup,
1: mm-hmm.
5: green, okay. uh, drove past me and around, and she got in.
1: Okay, This, it's all new information. Rodarte didn't share any of it in the non-custodial interview the day before. And this green pickup truck hasn't shown up anywhere else in the investigation. The detectives, they want Rodarte to provide as much detail as possible, even asking him to draw out a map of where that green pickup truck picked up Savannah.
2: They were really good details. It appeared she was on her phone. It looked like she was texting. A green pickup truck, late 90s model. Then, then they, um, they left and they turned going this direction. And if he was in such a state, which I think he would have been had she just threatened his job, There's no way he's going to sit there quietly and just take note of what she's doing. So he's going to, I would, I would assume he would be going after her, yelling at her, this, that, something. He just wouldn't be sitting there cataloging her every minute for five minutes.
0: Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com odyssey. That's greenlight.com odyssey.
1: The detectives repeatedly ask Rodarte about this green pickup truck, but it's not because they think the truck will lead them to Savannah. In fact... They're asking about it because they know it won't lead them to Savannah. You see, what the detectives aren't telling Rodarte quite yet is that they have surveillance footage of the Bonefish Grill parking lot throughout the entire afternoon in question. According to the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office, that video, it shows the following. Rodarte enters the lot and backs into a parking space just after 5 p.m., about 25 minutes later, Savannah pulls in and parks a few spaces away. She gets out of her car, walks over to Rodarte's and spends a few minutes talking with him through the driver's side window. Then she gets into his car. Several minutes pass and the vehicle, it begins shaking. One of the rear doors open and closes multiple times. Then Rodarte gets out of the car takes something from Savannah's vehicle, and appears to puncture her left front tire. He gets back into his own car, and then he just drives away. There is no green pickup truck, and throughout the entire series of events, Savannah, she never exits Rodarte's vehicle. But again, the detectives aren't quite ready to tell Rodarte about this surveillance footage. For now, they want him to just... Keep talking.
3: So she gets out of the car with you, um, and starts walking in this direction. I was in the car. You're you're in the so, car, but she yeah. got out. Yeah. And now you were in the front seat. Yes. So she gets out of the back seat and begins walking toward in the direction of, not necessarily paralleling. Um, San Jose, but she's walking towards 295 or down towards that entrance area. Yeah. Um, and then she's got her phone, and you said you thought she was calling somebody? Um, she was, She had it in her hand and looked like, I mean, I couldn't tell if she was texting or sure. not or anything.
5: But she had her phone out. Yeah, she had her phone out and was looking at it, and then um, it looked like she was going to put it up to her ear, and then yeah. the green truck came around. Okay.
1: Seemingly out of nowhere, Detective Reeves, he changes the subject, asking... What happened to your neck? What happened to your neck?
5: That was self-inflicted, actually. Why? I just have been having kind of a hard time.
2: There, There's an obviously a cut mark on Rodarte's neck, and he says, it was self-inflicted. It's nothing. Well, no. And then you've got something on your hand, too. And this will, that happened in July. And the detective says... But why is it still bloody?
5: Well, it's. I kind of peeled the scab here and there at work, mm-hmm. hitting it on stuff like that. I peeled it last night working. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was coming off a little bit today, so I peeled that a okay. little bit. All right, let me see. But this and this was the same night. This okay. one was just a lot worse Yeah.
3: than this one was. Okay. Um, and that was in July? Yeah. Okay. Um, like a few weeks back.
1: Yeah, okay. The interrogation continues on like this for a little while, with the detectives poking at their suspect here and there, pointing out apparent inconsistencies, but ultimately just letting him talk. They ask why he didn't tell them all this new information the day before. And he says he just freaked out because he knew there was a warrant out for his arrest for driving on a suspended license.
2: So now you're starting to get into, you're getting into his head. You're getting into Rodarte's head. You're building a timeline and you're also letting him know, well, that's really suspicious that you have wounds, I'll say probably defensive wounds on himself um, because Savannah was probably fighting with him at this point. He'd much rather lie about this major huge case where we might be able to save the life of a female because he has a he has a, a warrant for a ticket he didn't pay.
1: The detectives ask, did Savannah say anything about her plans on Wednesday night? He answers, no. Did you recognize the man driving that green truck? No. Did you have any other contact with her? No. Then, about 40 minutes into the interview... The detectives, they decide to try a different approach.
3: So, where's Savannah right now? I don't know. Where would I find her? I don't know. That's my my prime objective, is to find her. Definitely. I think time's running out on her. And I think that... I mean, I have I should have said something to you yes yeah. when I talked. Oh, yeah, yeah, I should have said should. something Wednesday think, or Thursday when so it was brought into the So in tell attention. me how I go from nice guy, I never met you. Um, you seem like a nice guy. I come up and talk to you uh, again, out of you, you know, you agreed that there was nothing threatening or anything about our conversation, just asking you for some, some basic, simple things where we, we talked for just a few minutes. And you um, didn't tell me. This story, I'm not gonna say the truth because um, I, th- I think there's holes in this story too. Okay. Um, so you don't tell me this story. And then today we're talking again because I brought you down to talk to you because I found holes in, in that story that didn't match up. And now you're telling me another story that there's holes in this story that does not match up. So where where's Savannah? I don't know.
2: I think the detectives decided Enough was enough uh, after about an hour because they already knew he'd he, he built so many lies they knew that he was going to continue to lie so stop that they wanted to stop wasting their time uh, and the precious time that we have to look for Savannah who's missing. So at this point the female officer is getting involved and she's not so nice. <laughs>
3: I need to know where Savannah is. I, can I don't let know the family where know. she is. You don't know because you had something done with her and you weren't involved in that part. I, I don't know. Tell me something. What can I work with? I told you the last time I saw her.
4: But that's not true because we have proof. We have we have proof, and that's why we're sitting here, Lee. At this point, we need this for her. I mean, I look at that little girl and I think of my little girl, my little girl who's her age. That's who I think about. That was my little girl. I couldn't imagine. I don't care what she said about you or whatever, but my little girl is that age.
3: Uh, maybe, maybe. And you're
4: not telling the truth.
3: Maybe something gets out of hand in the car. I didn't do anything.
4: Okay, you didn't okay. do anything, but she okay. was in your car. She never got out of your car. She, she never got, got out of your car. Lee?
3: We're not saying that you did anything. I'm trying to find her. I didn't say you I did don't anything. not know where she
4: is. Well, we can prove that you left with her in the car. So please, do, do, do everybody
2: a favor and just tell us. She comes out and they call him out on his lies. And she says, I know there wasn't a truck. And how do I know there wasn't a truck? Because I have video surveillance. I saw the back door of your car kicked open three times. She never got out. She never got
4: out of your back seat." Video cameras don't lie. Lee. How do you know? How do you how do you think I know this information, Lee? I wasn't there, but a
2: video camera caught it.
3: Tell me what happened. I don't know.
2: You'll see the female detective, she actually yells at him, and then she backs down. And then she escalates again, and it's kind of like she gives him this You're ticking me off, you're wasting my time. I know you're lying. There are holes in your stories. Just tell me what I need to know.
1: As the detectives show their cards, Masnick detects an important shift in Rodarte's body language.
2: Detective Reeves finally has him because you see Rodarte look down at the ground and he's quiet, no facial expressions, but he starts shaking his head no. At that point, I know they've got him. So they just need to keep working him.
3: For her, for her, for her family. Can just tell us where. Can you tell us you tell where? Us? Where did you go?
2: Where did you go with her then? Can you
3: at least tell us that part? At
4: least tell us that part. Where did you go with her afterwards? She didn't get out of your car, and, and you know that, obviously, because yeah.
3: that's why we, we're here. Just tell us where. Where did you go with her? Tell us that. At least point us in that direction. I owe her family. We've been, no one's, uh, we're not saying anything that you intentionally didn't. Just tell us where you went, please.
2: And they're telling him that they know he's a good guy and that he'll do the right thing. And, and, um, the guy, you know, Rodarte's like, I don't know where she is. I, I don't know. I don't know. And then, um, all of the sudden he breaks and he says, we went to my house and we hung out for a little while and we did some drugs. So right there, all that hour that they just spent now paid off because he admitted that he left with Savannah.
1: Rodarte goes on to say that he and Savannah just hung out at his house for a while. Then Savannah took an Uber home, but the detectives, they aren't satisfied with that answer and they're not about to take their foot off the gas.
4: Where's Savannah? I don't know. You do that. So you're gonna make me and our team and this whole entire sheriff's office and every person in the community to get out there after you know we after they know the truth of who she left with and sees the struggle in the backseat of your car. And you're gonna make all of us go and search Jacksonville for her when you could just easily tell me where she is.
1: They go back and forth a couple more times and then It all finally pays off. At this point in the interrogation, police say Rodarte confesses to killing Savannah Gold. But here's the thing. We can't let you listen to that part of the interrogation because there's a 20-minute redaction in the footage. Confessions are exempt from open records laws in the state of Florida. And
2: then we get to the lovely point of the redaction of 20 minutes, which almost made me insane and um yes i may have called every person i knew in that area to try and see what i could do to find that 20 minutes um but so we have that 20 minute window where he i'm assuming confesses i'm assuming says how he killed her and where she is located so um we're not going to know that until trial and this is something that's going on right now
1: but after the redaction we see rodarte alone in the interrogation room he's hitting himself in the face staring at the cuts on his arm mumbling and appearing to cry at one point he whispers what sounds like i'm sorry savannah <laughs> Following Lee Rodarte's interrogation, law enforcement would find the body of 21-year-old Savannah Gold. It was in a lake in the Westside neighborhood of Jacksonville, right where Rodarte told them he dumped it.
0: After days of investigating, law enforcement found the body of Savannah Gold in a lake behind this wooded area at the end of Club Duclay Drive.
1: The body, it had been severely burned, making it difficult to determine a specific cause of death. However, an autopsy did determine Savannah's death had been caused by what's known as homicidal violence.
4: Kind, empathetic, sympathetic, funny. She was dynamite, you know? I mean, she was somebody you'd want to hang around with. He extinguished such a beautiful soul. (laughs) She didn't deserve that.
1: And he he dumped her in a pond. Lee Rodarte was charged with second-degree murder, tampering with evidence and abuse of a body. He petitioned the courts claiming he killed Savannah in self-defense and that he's entitled to immunity under Florida's Stand Your Ground law. Rodarte's motion said Savannah was on heroin and attacked him, and that he heard a pop after wrapping his hands around her neck in an attempt to stop the attack. An associate medical examiner who conducted the autopsy has testified that Savannah did not have drugs in her system, nor did she have any spinal fractures. He also testified that the pop Rodarte claims he heard would not have caused instant death, and that it takes four or five minutes to strangle someone. A circuit judge denied Rodarte's stand-your-ground petition, but his attorney has appealed the decision. Rodarte's trial, initially set to begin in August of 2019, has been on hold ever since. So, what do you think about this week's interrogation? We'd love to hear your thoughts. You can visit us on Facebook at Inside the Crime Vault. Anything you say is a Vault Studios production. You can learn more about our podcasts, including Bardstown and The Officer's Wife, at vaultstudios.com. Special thanks to our expert, Dr. Kimberly Masnick, for her help on this week's episode. Vault Studios executive producers are Adam Ostro and Will Johnson. For Vault Studios, I'm Eric Flack.